Welcome to the Royals Rundown Podcast, the premier Kansas City Royals podcast presented by Royals Review. I am Jake Milham, joined by Jeremy Greco and Royals Review editor Max Reaper. Guys, how are we doing tonight? Uh, I'm looking for my bricks. Uh, apparently, we need bricks. <laughs> apparently so. Are you laying the foundation? Uh, is that is that what's happening? The, I, we're laying foundations? I think so. I don't know. Max, I just have, never, have all, you, the, all the Royals uh, players are tweeting bricks. I don't know. Max, I thought they were, I thought they were throwing them at me. <laughs> There's just so many ways that could have been interpreted. And in case anyone doesn't know, Bobby Wood Jr. and Vinny Pascantino both tweeted out the brick emoji like right after the Royals made their signings this week. And I think the, the minor league affiliates did as well. And I was like, okay, is that like a brick of cash? Is he getting paid? Is he referring to... <laughs> Uh, like bricks, like bad shots in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it, 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 when I saw the minor league teams do it, I, I thought, okay, like, something to do with the brick by brick foundational uh, metaphors here. Exactly. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're smart. Yes, that that they are very uh, very tongue in cheek. There. Hey, if you wanted to know about all this days ago, you got to follow Royals Review on X and on Facebook at Royals Review. Plus, if you want the best analysis around on the Kansas City Royals, visit www.royalsreview.com. And if, if you want to settle for myself and, and Jeremy and the, and the litany of Royals out there, you can just follow us on X, too. We're, we're out there doing stuff. You can follow us on X and TikTok at Royal Rundown Pod. Also, y'all, you got to make sure to check out our polls and Q&As on Spotify. Each week, we give you a chance to answer our questions. And we will read your responses on air in the following episode. Last week, we asked you, quote, scale of one to 10, how pessimistic are you about Kansas City's offseason? Guys, I think a lot of these answers would have been different if we asked it yesterday. But alas, this is what we have. Frank D. D Giovanni, I think is how you say that, said eight roster is like my father's wardrobe, found one mediocre shirt he liked. And bought it in every color. That is, um, I, I, I guess it's just copy and paste on the on the Royals roster before this week's moves. Nash fan Sam said six. I like the few moves they have done, but man, we need more movement in Kansas City. Aiden Dallas said five. I like the moves that they have made, but I wish they do more of them. Corey Michael followed up with two with the Jackson Churio extension. I believe that's how that said. Jeremy, I'm wrong, aren't I? The what extension? The the, the Milwaukee Brewers guy. I I don't know anything about that, so I don't know who that is. He has yet to make his major league debut. He's one of the top two or three prospects. In oh, baseball. that guy. Yeah, yeah that guy. Young nineteen year old outfielder, I think. A lot of money for a nineteen year old. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of money for money. a thirty eight year old, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> But Corey went on to say, with that extension, Bobby just got more expensive. Hard to disagree with that. And I keep hearing the Royals were in on X. What's to be optimistic about? Well, I mean, being optimistic about those rumors paid off this past week. And then finally, Royal Rupert said zero. After a season of evaluation, you would think it is time to blow up the roster. It seems we are going to see virtually the same team take the field in 2024. Boo! Well, Rupert... uh, Alas, things have changed. Thank you all for your responses. Interact with us on this episode. And remember, you can only respond to us 
on Spotify. Let's get right into the news. There's tons to discuss, guys. The Royals have made the largest free agent acquisition in recent history for their franchise, signing Seth Lugo to a three-year deal worth $45 million. Unlike the guy named Shohei Otani, the contract is pretty straightforward, $13 million per year with a player option worth $15 million in the third year. Lugo logged more than 146 innings for the San Diego Padres last year with a 3.57 ERA. Max, I want to get your thoughts on this first. What were you? What was your initial reaction to the Lugo signing? Uh, well, I'm going to beat this joke into the ground, but I, I, my initial reaction was that he's getting paid seven times more than Shohei Otani. So don't complain yeah, that the Royals uh, can't uh, compete uh, with the big boys in terms of free agents. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, it's a you know it, it's, it was a great. It was a, I think it's a solid signing. They you know they overpaid a little bit. It's, it's the being a bad team tax. You know, like um, you know they it just. I don't think another team would have necessarily paid three years and forty-five million, but the Padres reportedly did offer four years uh, with a less uh, less of an annual salary. And the Mets uh, were interested in it as well. Lugo's a guy that um, at the outset of the offseason drew a lot of interest from a lot of te- teams, so he's a guy that was pretty coveted. And it's kind of nice to see after, like like you say, like the Royals were reportedly in on a lot of players. It's nice to see them actually land a player. Um, so. Uh, you know, as far as how he fits in with the Royals, I don't think they need him to be an ace or anything, uh, even though it is, I should point out, the fourth largest free agent contract in Royals history, which is amazing, behind uh, Ian Kennedy, Alex Gordon, and Gil Mesh, which was back in 16 years ago. Uh, so, you know, that, that probably says more about the Royals than Lugo. But, uh, you know, he can slide in right behind Reagans and then maybe, you know, be a 2A or 3A, depending on how Brady Singer looks this year. And be a solid pitcher who um, throws strikes. Uh, he had one of the better walk rates uh, in baseball last year. Um, he's got a nice uh, five-pitch mix. Uh, pretty good ground ball rate, which I think will play well in front of guys like Bobby Witt, Michael Garcia, and, and if he's still with the team, Michael Massey. Um, and he's a guy that hasn't had a lot of innings uh, on his arm because he was a reliever for so many years, which maybe there's some concerns. You know, How does he handle a bigger workload? Only like you said, he only threw about 146 innings last year. Did miss some some time. I think it was a calf injury last year. Um, so you know, can he withstand a, a full season? You know, we'll see. But uh, the way baseball is going anyway, I don't know that you're you're necessarily need a 200 inning workhorse in your rotation anymore. So really solid signing that solidifies a rotation that you know desperately needed some upgrades. Fully agree with that, Jeremy. What was your response to the move? Um, you know, it's very hard to hate the move. Um, he's a guy the Royals have been tied to since last off season. Um, he fits that profile that, uh, you've been talking about a little bit with the curveball. He's got a nice curveball, and he works in a slider to kind of make it a little bit better, which is, I mean, that's, that's the thing that the Royals have been doing. That's what they did with Reagan's. It's what they did with, uh, with MacArthur. Um, it's what it looks like they might try to do with Nick Anderson, so just keep working on in that direction. He throws a lot of strikes, which is important for the Royals, something that they had trouble with last year. And even though um, he only, you know, he's been a reliever for a while and he only started last year and people are like, well, can he, can he actually be good as a starter? Like his numbers were very similar from relieving to starting as far as ERA, FIP, 
XCRA, all that stuff. Very similar. He did lose a little bit in the strikeouts, but he also walked fewer guys and he didn't lose that much in the strikeouts. He still strikes out his fair share. Um, and, and and to me, this move, and this is a a little preview for the article that I think is going to go live sometime today as you're listening to this. So tomorrow as we're recording it, um, it raises the floor for the Royals. Um, it makes them a better team by raising the floor because they had one of the problems from last year was they had a whole bunch of high variance guys, guys who might be very good or very bad. And they all were kind of very bad. Some of them could end up being very good this year, but, um, now one very bad player will not be pitching, uh, in the Royals rotation, assuming Lugo stays healthy. Yes, assuming so. And no, we're we're not talking about Jordan Lyles there for the time being. I'm still projecting that Jordan Lyles <laughs> is going to slot in as the number four or well, five guy. Yeah, basically what it means, though, is that if Jordan Lyles is bad and Daniel Lynch is good, then Daniel Lynch is in the rotation, Jordan Lyles is out. Yep. A- instead of having to have them both in the rotation no matter what. That flexibility is much more valuable, and the Royals paid dearly for it with that uh, with that big Big money contract where we're grading on a Kansas City curve here. Um, some more numbers behind Seth Lugo and what he did last year. So he struck out 23.2% of the batters he faced, walking just 6%. So that is a very respectable ratio, if you ask me. Um, the number that I like the most is he had a 45.2% ground ball rate. And that is definitely going to play with this very defensive forward infield that we have in Kansas City right now and it's especially going to play in Coffin Stadium so definitely looking forward to that my takeaway from it was I'm just glad that this was what we wanted to see from the Royals we wanted them to see and identify a guy and go get them no matter what it took they not only paid market value for Lugo but they paid that bad team tax it's a it's a real thing I've been preaching it all offseason Robert Murray over at Fansite had said, quote, more than half the league was interested in Lugo. Now, interested can mean a lot of different things, but Padres offered Lugo a very similar deal and, you know, granted money talks and Lugo came to came to Kansas City. So I'm happy that leadership opened up the pocketbooks a little bit, got the deal done. Now. We're going to talk about this a little bit more. What does this mean in the grand scheme of the offseason? We'll talk about that, but I am very happy to see this signing. Even if he is not a perfect pitcher, there's not a whole lot of those on the free agent market right now. But the Royals did more than just shore up the rotation. Sorry, Max, did you have something to say? Yeah, just real quick. Well, I think one of the things that really smart or well-run teams do is they kind of take some of these mid-tier guys, mid-tier free agents, and they they improve them, and they suddenly become – maybe not top line guys, but, you know, really valuable pitchers. Like the Rays last a year ago signed Zach Eflin, who was kind of had a shaky track record with Philly, kind of as a starter and reliever. And last year he was a 3.5 win uh, pitcher. Uh, and I, I think they worked with him on his curveball and, and got more spin on his curve. Uh, so Lugo is a guy that, you know, you look at his numbers and, and they're solid. I think for any Royals fans will take it. But but certainly aren't like eye popping stats. But there he's a he's also a guy that I know he's thirty four years old and and it's not typically the age where guys get a lot better. But if they've identified something with us like a curveball, and I think Lasky wrote a little bit about this at Inside the the Crown, like his curveball last year kind of fell off a little. It used to be his out pitch, 
uh, that got a lot of swing and miss. And last year was it was not as effective as it had been in re- recent years because of uh, you know once he was a starter. But it, it seems like uh, you know they were able to take James MacArthur and uh, improve his curveball shape a little bit, get some better results from him. So you know with this new pitching development team, a guy like Lugo is the one that that could uh, really increase his performance if they're kind of up to, if the pitching coaches are living up to their billing. So it'll be interesting to see if he actually improves his performance and becomes even more valuable than his contract suggests he is right now. And, and I think when it, whenever a team, especially the Royal signs of free agent, they want a guy that is going to be better when they're done with him. And they, but what they've done in the past, it feels like is sign borderline guys to one year, prove it deals or one year. Uh, can you come back deals? Um, and with Lugo, that's not what this is. This is like, okay, we know you are at least competent. Um, let's see if we can make you great. And so here's here's what I'm looking at with this contract. He's going to play for the Royals at least 2024, 2025, and 2026. That is kind of this sweet spot window that the fan base is looking at saying, hey, all of our top-tier talent that is on this team is going to be under contract for those years. So we we'll see what happens uh max what were you gonna say well he he does have a player option that third year is a player option so thank you it's like if if he's good he, i guess he opts out he'll be 36 at that point i don't know if a lot of 36 year olds get 15 million dollar one year 15 million dollar contract so uh you, and that's kind of the risk you take with a multi-year deal right like especially these you know all these guys are going to be over 30 most or at least most of them and you're gonna have to offer them three years and the first year you know, we saw this at the end Kennedy. The first year he was really he was really terrific. Second year he was eh, okay. And then the last three years, ugh, the less said the better. Uh the last <laughs> year for Lugo probably won't be great. <laughs> I'll I'll admit that right now. And, and that's you know, could be a year when the Royals are competitive. Um so that is a little bit of concern, but um certainly I think that's the risk you take. And um uh, and, and who knows, maybe he's a guy that actually ages well with with, with the, especially with the, the tweaks you're able to make. So uh we'll see. But uh, it's nice to see the Royals getting in that free agent game a little bit. Yes, it was very nice to see them active, not just the rumors that they're talking to people, but actually executing on that. As of this recording, I do want to note there has not been a move on the 40-man roster to add Lugo. Um, It's still, hey, they're just in agreement on a deal. We don't know who has been moved off of the 40-man roster in exchange for Seth Lugo. But... The Royals were not just active in shoring up the starting rotation. They also made a couple of big moves adding to their bullpen. They went down to Texas. They called up Dayton Moore and Chris Young, I imagine, and said, hey, what are some, who are some guys that we, could, uh, that we should sign from y'all? They signed two former Texas Rangers relievers, Will Smith and Chris Stratton, to deals. The Chris Stratton deal is a two-year deal. Um, the max you'll have to clarify the financials for me in one moment and then will smith is on a one-year five million dollar deal with quite a bit of incentives if i'm understanding it correctly max what was that uh what was the stratton figures on his contract so stratton will get three and a half million his first year and then he has a he has a player option as well four and a half million for that second year uh so that's kind of uh it's it's interesting. I don't remember Dayton Moore really doing player options with players, and a lot of teams don't. I mean, it just it gives a lot of leverage to the player if he if he stinks or gets hurt, then he can exercise that option. The team has to pay it, and if he's good, well, the player probably won't exercise it and he'll let, oh, enter the free market. So, um, not something that was handed out much, but 
think we're seeing a lot of these teams kind of give more leverage to players. And, and it's kind of nice to see that J.J. Piccolo and John Sherman aren't afraid to give uh, you know players that option if that's what it takes to get them to sign. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy, I do. We have we have dogged on Josh Taylor plenty of times on this podcast and just <laughs> and just what he represents on the roster and building out next year's team. Um, adding two, I would say proven arms like they're they're not elite arms. They're they're good. They're mm-hmm. two good arms. Um, does that make you more confident? How are you feeling about those additions? Well, and it's the same thing I was saying with Seth Lugo, where they're raising the floor of this bullpen. Um, now, I, I, I don't know if you guys, I'm sure you did see the Zips projections that projected, this was before these signings, uh, that the Royals bullpen would have a below replacement level bullpen this year. Um, and, and this changes that. This completely changes that because now you've got two guys that you can probably count on to be positives. You add them with MacArthur, with Matt Sauer, who's a top prospect, um, with uh, John McMillan, with a couple, you know, and then you've got a competition for kind of the four last spots. And that means that guys who aren't that good, who would have been like, well, we got to we got to put a warm body out there, which is what we saw a lot last year aren't going to get spots. Carlos Hernandez is going to have to actually earn his bullpen spot. <laughs> Taylor Clark is going to have to actually earn his bullpen spot. Um, and, and so that it, again, like you said, they're not elite pitchers, but they're guys that you can, you can ask to go out there and pitch and you're not just terrified. You don't go, well, obviously this game is over now. Um, Will Smith also has closing experience. So it's possible that they may ask him to be the closer. Um, or they may do it by committee. They, we don't know for sure, but they've, they've got some some options out there now in the bullpen where they really didn't uh, before they signed these guys. Yes, I, I cannot agree more. Will Smith is, in my mind, the de facto starter heading into, or starter, closer, I mean, heading into 2024. Um, an elite, I think an elite slider is an understatement. Um, according to Baseball Savant's run value, his slider was the second most valuable slider in all of baseball, and he did he did have 22 saves last year. I feel like saves are an overrated stat on how to measure someone's worth to a team, but like you said, he has that experience, and he has the experience, and he goes out and produces in that. Max, what do you think about these two bullpen additions? Well, just start with Stratton a little bit. I think uh, I like that signing a lot. I think, for, especially with the value, three and a half million. That's, I don't think it's that's well below market value for a reliever that's been pretty solid. I think the last couple of years, it's interesting to me. Stratton last year, out of uh, he led the league in outings where he recorded more than three outs, uh, which is interesting. I think because it's uh, the Royals have needed innings, quality innings out of their uh, starters and relievers, and um, to have a guy like Stratton who is capable of going multiple innings was a starter early in his career, but is kind of settled into a relief role, but it kind of a, a multi-inning relief role. That's something the Royals really need. So that's kind of nice to see them get that uh, bulk innings for him, from him. Uh, then Will Smith, yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, again, I think a below market value deal. I, I know he signed for less the year before that, but he was, I think, a little closer to his injury, uh, in, injured season. Uh, so I think now that he's kind of proven he's healthy again, um, he got a little bit more from the Royals, but still, I think, below what you're going to see a lot of relievers get. Um, so, you know, I like the signing. He, like you said, he's proven, uh, you know, how much that matters. I don't know, but he's got a nice slider. He's going to use it a lot. He knows what works. He throws strikes. 
Um, he can pitch late innings if you need him to. I don't think they're going to be totally wedded to him as a closer. I think they will be probably flexible. I don't think Quattraro is a guy that, you know, is a traditional one, two, three uh, in the ninth save guy. Um, but you'll probably see Smith a lot in the eighth and ninth innings. And um, I think it's already this bullpen is massively upgraded over what it was last year. And I think they still have a couple moves left in them. Yes, like Jeremy was talking about earlier, I'm very interested to see how this sways things as far as Zip's projection goes because those are two valuable pitchers from last year coming to Kansas City and replacing what I'm, – I'm sorry. So Chris Stratton has not been added to the 40-man roster yet, right? Not yet. I don't think any of the players – well, Smith has been added. Uh, the, Strat, the Stratton and um, Lugo signings are still, I'm supposing, pending physical. So there have to be two yeah. roster spots that will have to open up for that. Yeah, but and then the and then Will Smith was added to the forty man roster, swapped out for Colin Snyder. And I I will say this: Colin Snyder is I don't think he is as bad as many people will put out. He has been working with Tread Athletics, so we'll go and see what he does next year. If if he latches on with a major league club, I will say that. But I was nervous seeing him go out in relief on the mound in twenty twenty three. He he just wasn't a guy who was going to go out there and get it done every single time. And Will Smith in exchange does that. Um, guys. So putting all this together, three in relation to the Royals, three major pitching acquisitions within five days. We love the aggressiveness. We love how quickly the moves are coming, but I want to ask you each this question, this question and fill in the blank for me. The Royals' off-season moves so far are blank. Now, Jeremy, I'd like you to go first. You could use a, a word, a phrase, however you want to answer that. The Royals' off-season moves so far are a really good start. This cannot be the end of the moves. Um, I, and I don't think it is. The rumors are still flying about the Royals, uh, that they want at least one more pitcher. They haven't made any trades yet, not any big trades um, and I know we've talked about that maybe Salvador Perez was going, maybe Brady Singer was going. Now it seems less likely that either of them get traded. I think you and I, and I don't know how Max feels, are both still pretty convinced MJ Melendez is not going to be on this roster um, at the beginning of the 2024 season. And, and whatever trade involves him, I think, is going to be a fairly uh, important trade. We're going to talk about I think some some possible trades uh, a little bit later here, but that's that's my my position is that you know this I'm excited for the moves that they've made. I feel like they've they've really improved the team more than you might think based on the names involved, but there's still a little bit more to be done. All right, I like that. I like that, Max. How do you fill in that blank? Uh, the Royals' offseason moves so far are promising. I think I kind of echo what Jeremy said. Like it's it's a good start and. If you look around the division, I mean, right now there's Guardians fans jealous of us. Like, oh, the Royals are, are making some, like, I think it's a bigger free agent signing than, than they've made uh, of a pitcher than they've made in, like, decades. Um, so it, it's, a, it's a good start. And, and, and really, you, I, I think they have a long way to go still. But you can kind of squint and see them being a 76-win team. And if things go right, maybe even 500. And in this division... If you're 500 in July, you could think about making a move uh, or two to, you know, go for a postseason run. Now, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. I, I still think there are some work to be done. Uh, this is still a team that lost 106 games last year. Um, and and they're still 
precious little depth. So like an injury to, you know, we just signed a bunch of over 30 year old pitchers. Uh, a couple of them are very likely to go down at some point this year. And that means we're relying on, you know, Jonathan Heasley and Max Castillo and you know some other, some other guys you may not want to see a lot of innings from. Uh, so I do think there's, they, I do, I agree that I think there's going uh, to be some significant trade or two here coming up. I think MJ Melendez is prime as a prime candidate to be traded. I think Daniel Lynch is probably a prime traded prime, prime candidate to be traded. I heard, I saw Michael Massey's name float into Ken Rosenthal yeah. report. I'm a little skeptical of that, but if there's, if there's a move where it makes sense to, to pick up a, you know, if, if he's part of a package to get a, a younger, either bat or pitcher um, that, that would make some sense. So, uh, and I still think they need an outfielder. I don't, their outfield's not set. I mean, certainly there's a lot of loose parts floating around out there that don't make sense. And I know that JJ has talked a lot about adding some on base uh, percentage with this team and at which they could sorely use. So I uh, still think there's some moves to be made, but you, you have to be hopeful. I think with the direction this team is going, they're not being the same old cheapy, cheap Royals that are just signing, you know, the Jordan Lyles of the world. Cannot agree more with that, Max. Uh, my response to this, the Royals offseason moves so far are trusting in the core is how I look at this. So the the Seth Lugo signing, it's I'm not going to predict he's going to be the opening day starter. We we're talking about he's a 2A, 3A kind of pitcher in a rotation. They I don't see the Royals going out and signing guys just to have them play over younger, more controllable players that they invested playing time into last year. So do do y'all remember before the offseason started that people were predicting the Royals were going to go out and sign Jaime Candelario? I think is how you say his name, the the third baseman that was traded from the Nationals last year. Like the Royals aren't going out and making those sort of moves. They're not going to go out and sign a guy to play above Michael Garcia and take away his playing spot. Seth Lugo, you, you had so many holes to fill in the bullpen and starting rotation. These moves so far just fill those holes while raising the floor of this roster like Jeremy was talking about. Guys, before we move on from the offseason moves so far, anything else to add? All nope. right. Okay. Sounds like well, sounds like a plan. Oh, sorry, Max. Yeah, I'll just say, like, you mentioned Candelario and just made me think, like, with Seth Lugo too, like they had their breakouts a year ago and it, you know, it, the Royals they, and, they, and they've been good about getting guys like Cole Reagans and Nelson Velasquez. But I, I would just like to see maybe a little bit more of that uh, where they're picking up guys that are kind of on the upswing, you know, we'll say, you know, Lugo, maybe he's part, he's still part, this is still part of the career upswing for him. But um, the Royals, if the Royals are going to be successful and take it to the next level, they need to find uh, more of these guys that are kind of on the verge of breaking out or, or, they're the team that helps these guys break out. And, and you know, like I said, it's promising that Reagans and Velasquez did that this year, and, and we just need to see more of that. Fully agree with that. Hey, Jeremy, I, I want to ask you a, a question real quick. So we were, we were talking about how the Royals were in on Lugo last offseason. And I, I am curious, like, how, how smart would J.J. Piccolo look if he had ended up signing Seth Lugo to a very small deal and he went out and had the same exact season in Coffin Stadium. Uh, combined with the Velasquez trade and yeah. the Reagan's trade, I think the conversation in Kansas City would be pretty positive. Also, 
if he'd signed Lugo instead of, say, Jordan Lyles, um, you know, the I think the win and loss record would have reflected uh, a significant improvement. Um, I, I think the conversation would be drastically different, which is why, you know, I'm looking at guys like MacArthur who, yeah, only pitched really good for a month, but he pitched really good for that whole month. And I feel like he's a guy who's primed to be very good next year. John McMillan is a guy who looks, he, he's from the system, but he's a guy who looks like he could be really good next year. Will Klein looks like, uh, these are all relievers now, but you get the idea where like, yes, they lost 106 games, but there are reasons to hope. There are reasons to think that things could improve. And And one reason, and I talked about this, in an article a couple of weeks ago, one one other reason I like all these signings is that it not only does it raise the floor and it takes some pressure off of guys, but it, I think it gives you reason to believe that you can win. And I think that a player who believes that he can win is going to put in just a little bit more effort. And, and sometimes that little bit more effort pays off. Uh, we look at uh, one of the things I'm thinking about is the Pythagorean record where the Royals lost eight more games than their than their runs uh run differential would suggest and then i think about the 2014 and the 2015 royals who had an above who had a record above their pythagorean and those teams famously believed they could win after raul abanez uh all-star break speech so uh you know i I just i we don't know how much this stuff plays in and we don't necessarily talk about it a lot because we don't have statistics for it but I think that that having that kind of belief can be very impactful for the team. And if we've improved the team and we're, we make them also less likely to play un, so far under their Pythagorean record, then this could be, you know, huge. Mm-hmm. And what I, and what message does that send to Bobby Wood Jr. if you're doing contract negotiations with him, or Vinny Pascatino for that matter? Like, hey, we're actually trying to win now. Like, do you want to stick yeah, around? Yeah, yeah. He's going to be a little more willing to stick around if the team actually uh, gives a crap about winning. Absolutely. And that that's what I was thinking about with these player options, Max. Like I'm I'm wondering if they're giving out these player options a little I guess freely, a little more willy nilly, if you will, if you want to come up with a term for it. Because they want players to invest back in the team. They want to choose to be here rather than con- being contractually obligated. I don't know. Jeremy, I listen, trust me, I it was better in my head. But as soon as it tried to <laughs> slip off my tongue, it uh, it made no sense at my, all. My guess is that it's the team's way of saying, listen, we're guaranteeing you this amount of money. Come play for us. You get this much money. And if you think you can get more money, well, you're not stuck here. So it, it's kind of the best of both worlds to get people in the door. That is very true. That is very true. Well, hey, let's go ahead and move on. So Max and Jeremy, we're talking a lot about trades because we should be expecting some trades coming in, whether that is just to clear off 40-man roster spots for incoming free agents or to just simply make this roster much better. Jeremy, you, you scrounged up a, an article from another outlet, if I recall correctly, talking about some trade ideas. Yeah, uh, so it looks like it's the... Uh... Oh, what's what's their name? The fan-sided Seattle Mariners uh, blog. I cannot remember their name now. All of a sudden, Sodo Mojo. I don't. What is that? Do you know what that means? I no. have no idea no. what that means. No idea. Uh, so anyway, they had a couple southern, trade. Southern uh, downtown area, I think, is where the stadium is. 
So oh, okay. is a southern southern downtown. Okay, okay. Right, that makes more sense than anything I could come up with. <laughs> uh, so they they had a couple trades proposed in there with the Royals because they know that the uh, the Royals have been tied to the Mariners because the Mariners want to make trades. Jerry Depoto loves to make trades. It's his whole thing. Um, and the Mariners have some young pitching, a lot of young pitching, actually. And the Royals could use some of that. Yeah. Uh, as Max was kind of saying, maybe maybe we need some pitchers who are younger than 30 might might be helpful. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so they had a couple trade ideas. Uh, the biggest trade that they were offering uh, that they thought the, the primary trade that they wanted to make was Emerson Hancock for uh, MJ Melendez, who we've all theorized is, is really on the trade block and uh, Champlin Chandler Champlin. Mm-hmm. who is a pitching prospect of some renown among the prospect hounds. Um, he, he's been fairly, he was fairly good last year. He was, he's kind of on the upswing. Um, I, I've thought about that a little bit and I initially was like, yeah, let's do that. And then I he was like, well, he barely pitched last year. Um, they also talked about Wu. I can't remember his first name. Mm-hmm. Um, and he pitched a little bit more. What's that? Oh, Brian Wu. Brian, yeah, Thank I you. thought that. Okay, Brian Wu. Um, so he pitched a little bit more than Hancock, so I would I would make that swap Wu for Hancock if I was going to do that deal. But they also mentioned that uh, they'd really like to have Carlos Hernandez, and I'd really like someone else to have Carlos Hernandez. <laughs> um, so, But they thought they'd have to give up Bryce Miller to get him, and, and I'm all about that trade. Give me Bryce Miller, and I will give you those three players every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Um, so those are, those are the trades that other teams are proposing. It's interesting to me. I know Royals fans are very down on NJ Melendez, but these Seattle Mariners fans locked in and said, this is the guy that we think we want. We're going to, we're going to make trades based on getting him. Um, and so, you know, you never know. It's one of those things where, um, familiarity, uh, breeds contempt. We're we're so used to watching him, Jay Melendez, and we see all of his strikeouts, but they're like, oh, he hit all those home runs in Boston, and, and he hits the ball really hard, and they can be excited for him. So um, it, it just goes to show that you don't necessarily know how valuable a player is just because he's on your team. That is very true. Max, do you do you have any thoughts over like a trade scenario like that, swapping MJ Melendez and maybe a couple of other players for some quality controllable pitching? No, I think well, I think the Mariners idea is interesting. And there was uh, I think Ken Rosenthal had that report that the Royals have engaged in some trade talks with the Mariners and Marlins, who are I think are both good fits in that they have more young pitching than they really need. Um, and so I think Emerson Hancock makes a lot of sense. I don't think, I think he's kind of the outside looking in for the rotation. Wu and Miller, I think are more guys that they're going to hang on to for the, for the rotation. Um, but Hancock definitely, I think would be a guy that Royals could target former first round pick, pretty good pedigree, pretty good numbers in the minors, not great, but, but good enough that you can feel comfortable, um, with him, you know, putting him, giving him a chance to, to start next year. Uh, it, interesting. They're so into Melendez. I mean, they got, they got Cal, Cal behind the plate. Uh, so I guess they're looking at Melendez as a left fielder, which I don't think that a designated hitter working. is what the article said. Okay, which yeah. you know, are you and I, you know, I think Melendez has great on base skills. Uh, I don't know that his bat's going to carry the DH position uh, as well as you might like. Uh, so that's why I think like the Marlins might be a little bit better fit. I think the Reds could be a really interesting fit, not for pitching so much, but because they have so many excess infielders that if you're looking to 
maybe add a third baseman, move Garcia to second, or maybe Garcia becomes expendable. That becomes maybe interesting. I know Jonathan India is a name they've been talking about uh, trading. Um, they did, I guess they just acquired Candelario, so you know that even makes it more complicated for their infield. Um, and then the Marlins, I think, are in- interesting. I, you know, I wrote about Eduardo Cabrera, who is pretty wild, uh, one of the more wild pitchers in baseball, uh, but definitely has a big fastball in the high 90s uh, and uh, would be kind of interesting as a project for Brian Sweeney. Although he's already, I mean, he's already had some success in the major, so it's not like he's a prospect that has never pitched well. Uh, so he could be really interesting. I don't know what it would take to get him. I know the Marlins are looking for a shortstop. Um, I don't know if you, and, and the Royals, it sounds like Garcia is kind of off limits, but, you know, if that's a swap that maybe gets a young pitcher from Miami, if not Cabrera, maybe Trevor Rogers, um, or, uh, you know, if you dare dream, Yuri Perez, I don't think the Marlins going to trade him, but uh, that could be a guy to target. But they've got some arms there that, that could be available. So I think there is a match there, and I, I think there's going to be a trade here in the next couple of weeks. Um, if it's not one, with one of those trades, I think for a young pitcher that the Royals can control for a while. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to seeing how a trade like that breaks down and what it does for the 2024 Royals. If you want to hear more of these ideas, who the Royals should be targeting and why, please go check out RoyalsReview.com and also follow Royals Review on social media to stay up to date on all the rumors around social media. We talked about Ken Rosenthal a lot during this podcast. Um, It has just been nice to see the Royals mentioned in these rumors and i'm just glad to see them acting on it guys let's go ahead and roll into our royals review reviews it is that time of the evening and jeremy i'll give everyone a little peek behind the curtain here i have given you a three minute maximum (laughs) for your reviews i have i you need to bridle your passion my friend it's so hard (laughs) all right uh so this week i am going to bring to you uh, a show that I just started watching last week, but I'm almost through the first season now. It's short, short series, uh, Good Omens on Amazon Prime with uh, Michael Sheen and David Tennant. Um, it's based on, I believe, a graphic novel by Neil Gaiman. Or Ga- I, Gaiman? I don't actually know how you say mm-hmm. his name. Um, I only ever read it. So uh, it's it's about an angel and a demon who are kind of best friends, and they kind of are living in towards the the end times and they don't want the world to end so they're trying to figure out how to make the world not end and it's it's hilarious i love it so much um it's it's just a really good time and it makes me want to watch uh other stuff by neil uh like uh, i think sandman or something like that over on netflix so uh that might be next on my list uh uh, and I'll I'll cut it off there. How's that? <laughs> hey, you know what? That that sounds really good to me. And I'll I'll go and pick up there. And then Max, you can close this out here because I have I have to review another Neil Gaiman thing here. I have been reading his Norse mythology book, and I I read the description on it. I was like, okay, this is this is going to be pretty straightforward. Just Norse mythology, kind of skewed for for the american reader if you will and like that's that's what it is but it is very it's very detailed it's a very enjoyable read um this is mythology that i don't know a whole lot about i feel like growing up we all kind of learned about the roman mythology and the greek mythology and the norse was just kind of uh out there and viewed as this ostracized thing until the mcu really brought some elements of that into their cinematic universe 
So I've been reading over that. Really enjoy it so far. It's a fairly easy read, very digestible. So I highly recommend it, even if you are a very busy person. Max, go and close us out for reviews tonight, please. Uh, first of all, great recommendations. Uh, I, I was a big fan of Norse mythology as a kid, so I'll definitely check that out. Uh, I'll review uh, the Brett documentary on MLB Network. Uh, okay. No Neil Gaiman involved in that one, but uh, it was, <laughs> the, MLB Network has a series of documentaries, and some of them, I think, some of them are really, really good. I think the Dave Parker one's one I'd highly recommend. The Gary Carter one is very good as well. There's one about the 1995 Mariners um, that's excellent. This one is uh, probably not on that tier, but it's still very, very good. Uh, it's the story of George Brett, uh, a lot of interviews with him, his teammates, his opponents, and a lot of it focuses on his relationship with his dad, which uh, was was a very fraught relationship and really motivated him to the Hall of Fame career that he enjoyed. So it'll be pretty, uh, I think, pretty familiar for a lot of Royals fans, the story of George Brett, but still a lot of interesting insights and um, some, some raw emotion from George himself. So uh, definitely if you have MLB, MLB Network, which I know it's not available on YouTube TV and, and some streamers, uh, but if you can get access to MLB Network, I would uh, recommend the Brett documentary just entitled Brett. Love that. Love that. Yeah, Jeremy. I mean, George Brett isn't really known as a emotional person. You know, he really keeps himself in check and, you know, especially during his playing days, very, oh, yeah. very stoic. He character. just, just kind of walked out of the dugout. I mean, he just, he just, yeah. it, was, it was a calm stroll, right? I just want to add, they do, they do include the Bellagio, the video of his Bellagio story. So that is in the, in the document. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Please go go check that out if you have access to it or uh, phone a friend if you need a password or something like that. Get it, get it figured out. It is well worth the watch. Well, guys, let's go ahead and get on out of here. We're going to do, do the traditional social media wrap up, though. I'm not I'm not going to drive that. Max, where can folks find you and your work at? Uh, well, you can follow me at Royals Review. I write a Royals Review. Uh, I do run the Royals Review X account. Uh, as far as my personal social media, I think I'm on threads, but not really. So uh, <laughs> just hit me up in the Royals Review. Hit me up in the comments section. I'm always there. Uh, hang out with us. Share some jokes. Uh, it's been, I think the, the mood has been improved considerably this week. Yes, I, I imagine so. And that is one of the best parts of Royals Review is the is the comment section. It's a, it's a real community there. And inside jokes running, you know, for 10 years, it is, uh, it's crazy how just a group of folks that you'll never see just commenting on an article is really cool. Jeremy, where can folks find you and your work? Uh, so I also am on Royals review, uh, and, and I'm here and <laughs> I'm on X. I'm still on X. I haven't left yet. X Twitter, whatever. Uh, can't, can't leave my X. Um, at Hakai is H O K I U S. Uh, so, you know, come, come follow me so that I can, tweet about how i so very boldly predicted eduardo rodriguez would sign with the royals immediately before he signed with the diamondbacks the night before not even the night before it was, it was the like same hours. night we recorded it the, yeah. the, the, the podcast hadn't even gone live yet oh the universe has a funny way of working out doesn't it i just want to say the royals will not sign Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and they will not or uh 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 Teoscar Hernandez. Neither one of those guys coming to Kansas City. Okay. Throwing that out. All right. There. And we'll just let that simmer for a few hours and uh and watch them <laughs> watch the signing start rolling in. Again, I am Jacob Milham. You listen, I I'm starting to make the move 
from from X. I'm still on X at Jake Milham KC, but I am much more active on Threads at Jacob Milham Sports. I I just got to get off the sinking ship, y'all. Gotta gotta do it. <laughs> but you can uh, you can find my work here on the podcast or on Kings of Coffin. Guys, any any final words before we get on out of here? All right, I'll take that as a no. Thank you guys so much for for joining me tonight. And to all you listeners out there still listening to us, thank you for your support. Make sure to check out our polls and Q&As on Spotify. And until next time, go Royals!